This content is intended for adult cigar smokers age 21 and older. All right, Nick, good show. <laughs> okay. Uh, Greg's leaving to go take advantage of our brand new coupon code. Type in Long Ash all day Friday and Saturday, and you will receive 20% off your entire purchase. Some exclusions apply, but other than that, 20% off your entire purchase all day Friday and Saturday when you use the coupon code Long Ash. Nick, did you know I just got 20% off? Yes. Long Ash Podcast, Nick Labretti here, JRCigars.com. With me, as always, my partner in crime, Greg Waters. Hello, my friends. You have none. Yeah. I'm it. You're right. Remember how you used to look in college? They all left you because you don't look like that no more. But you had a wife and kids now. I kind of won at the end of that. Did you? I did. (laughs) (laughs) And I am so happy to introduce our second ever guest, one of my dearest friends. I don't know why I'm looking at Chris. (laughs) One of our dearest. I know. Where did he go? Secret Chris. One of my dearest friends in the cigar industry, this man has experience from three different huge companies and a plethora of other jobs. The one, the only, Dave Lafferty from Dumbarton Tobacco and Trust. Dave. Uh, thank you for having me here. I appreciate that. My, you know, it is overwhelming, uh, the, the entrance that you have given me here, Nick. Thank you. Oh, I thank had a lot so more, but it got a little dirty, and we're, you know, we're trying to keep it PG. We go a little blue. It'll be okay. <laughs> but. So, Dave, you have worked for three of the biggest manufacturers ever. Started off at Drew Estate, Nat Sherman, and now you're with the legendary Steve Saka at Dunbarton. Give us, first let's get into the cigar so we can enjoy that and then yes. we'll have discussion. Because I'm going to sit here and enjoy this whole entire conversation while you guys banter back and forth. Well, no, you'll, we're going to include you in 40% of the banter. Okay. 30. Uh, 30. 15, maybe. 15, yeah. 15. Well, it depends on how, yeah. you know. It's more talking, than what I get at if home. If we're talking about a detailed cigar, I think yeah. just be like, ha ha, you know, uh, like, give uh, us one of those. Oh, uh, okay. Like the Musketeer. Yeah, like okay. the Musketeers. All right. Uh, all right. So, Dave, why don't you tell us what we're smoking today? So today we're going to be smoking uh, one of the uh, Muestra de Saca uh, cigars called the Naka Tamale. That uh, is an uh, individually coffined uh, cigar. It is a uh, 6 by 48 in ring gauge. And it's a stunning example as I you know, glory on about things. It's just a, re- it's a, it's a, really, pretty, uh, it's a really pretty cigar. Delicious. I don't have to tell you. I'll let you get into it and see it. So the Midwestern Desaka line itself is uh, there. It's one-offs of each particular size right. of the Batola. So they're different blends. They're an undisclosed blend of what they are. But it's Steve's sort of uh, ideation on either a particular size of a cigar mm. or a wrapper or a, t- a particular type of tobacco that either he is not familiar with or something that he wants to to work through and get it and make it. They come in seven count individually coffin boxes, uh, and I'll let you sort of get into it and see what you think. The Naka Tamale is, uh, there's the Naka Tamale, there's the Exclusivo, and then there's the uh, hashtag. Uh, and uh, now leave me the hell alone. It stands for now leave me the hell alone for the amount of people that say to Steve, I need you to make a, le- you gotta make a Lancero, you gotta make a Lancero. I gotta say, it's surprise. I mean, I don't know if it's surprising. To me, it was at first surprising that, you know, Steve is literally like, you know, one of the, biggest tobacco gurus he knows so much i even said before when some companies give the specs on a cigar they say oh you know broadleaf wrapper dominican binder dominican filler steve's always like it's like it's the fourth priming broadleaf from this field and we picked it on sunday and then the binder we made you know 10 years ago and hank was the one who rolled it like he gives such detailed information and for him not to be a lancero guy is just surprising to me because I feel like that's well I don't want to speak for right. him but I will uh, but I want to speak for him uh, <laughs> but a parrot parrot sort of what I've heard from him in the past yeah. and it's not 
anything about the Lancero per se. It's not like I hate Lanceros because I hate Lanceros. Mm-hmm. What he doesn't like about the Lancero is he feels that he can make a much more significant blend in a larger right. ring gauge. So the Lancero is typically 38 ring gauge or 40 ring gauge, mm-hmm. but if you bump that up to a 44 ring gauge, a Lonsdale, you can get a lot more, a lot better blend, right. a lot more of a significant uh, smoking experience. A lot of times Lanceros wind up landing as as flat or mm-hmm. one-dimensional. Uh, I'm a, I love Lanceros. I love right. Corona. Is a petite Corona is. I like the thinner ring gauge. It takes a higher skilled roller to make it. They yeah. make less a day. Uh, they actually, people wouldn't pay the money for what a Corona actually costs to make. So it's a little peek behind the curtain here at the cigar right. industry, and people are probably cringy as I'm saying it. What happens is the, the Robusto and the Toro smokers are actually paying a little bit more to yeah. offset what the Corona is because generally people wouldn't want to spend $13 for Corona on what it's going right. to cost right. uh, to make it. So the, the Coronas get amortized to $8, $9, $10, and the others are up. And also, unfortunately, and I've talked with many different guys about this, it's just... Uh, in the grand scheme of cigar business, Lanceros just don't. They generally do not they sell. They don't sell that They well. do not sell. If you, if you were to talk to a shop owner uh, who actually knows, their, knows right. their business, it is still, it's the Robustos, the Toros, right. uh, 6x60s. Uh, those, are, those are what really, those are really what, uh, slow your roll, fella. Slow your roll. <laughs> Again, we it's love nice, all, our, we love nice, all nice. our children. I'm just happy that people are involved in the overall cigar category right. and they enjoy what they enjoy. Exactly. Uh, but there are some uh, unique palettes that are out Absolutely. there, oh. shall we say. Oh, we'll talk about that soon. Are you gonna, we well, I just wanted to kind of talk about visually the cigar. Now, this is not really a pigtail, but is a pigtail? Is it's that, a pigtail-esque. Yeah, okay. It's more of a fan, a fan tail. Okay. I like this size. This, we were actually talking about, like, my ring gauge preference has been going down for years. I used to be a big 6x60 smoker. The San Cristobal, the, mm-hmm. the, the Papagawa, whatever it was called, the XXL. Yeah. Um, I, I was a big, and now, then I got, like, for the past couple years, I was, like, a solid Toro, 6x50 Toro. Now it's either Lanceros or like a 6x48. Just that extra two numbers off of like a Toro side, 48. I, I don't know. It's just it's well, more appealing to me. Well, now. a lot of times when people first get involved in in cigars, you really look at it as sort of bang for the buck. What are yeah. you paying for? How much you're getting? And it, it's hard to visually understand when you look at two different boxes that are there. Why are these cigars the same price when I get so much less of a smoking experience this Petit Corona versus this, this 6x60? So... When people first get into smoking, either they smoke what their friends have recommended to them, or they really like a shop owner who recommends things to them, and they get involved with that, or they just look and they go, "Well, that's that's the best bang for the bucks. That's what I'm gonna. That's what I'm gonna enjoy. I'm gonna get to." And as their smoking style progresses, they start to you know pare down what it is that they 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 start to enjoy products more, and they start to you know pare things down and get more involved and get the influence from the other people that are right. in the stores or around and which is going to be a which can be a complete nightmare as well for the shops that are way too clicky right. uh, and you know force feed things like down your face it's just like clicky like we're, we're I feel like we're all a community but they do like people have like their little cigar mm. squads yeah. and they this is all they smoke if it's not so, this then it's garbage yeah. if it's not that or cubit it's garbage if it's not I've and, heard people oh if I can get it online I don't want it I'm like why you know, they, it has to be like a super limited thing. It's got to be this. It's got to be that. I'm like, you know, I can get, with the exception of the Unicorn and the Lancero, you can get Steve Sacco's products about at any online or any shop around the country. 
and they're all phenomenal and I smoke them constantly. So I hate that. It's, if it's not limited, I don't want to get it. I mean, I do understand the appeal of a limited release. Like we were talking about the, his Lancero, right. that he only made X amount of boxes. But it was more like, I really want to get one just to smoke it, see the difference right. in it. But like, it's not like for the rest of my life, every time I see a Lancero, I got to buy all the, all the boxes of it in the world. Like, it's just a, it's a curiosity. Well, you, you do find sometimes, <clears throat> excuse me, that, uh, that people want things just for the, uh, the rareness and ex right. exclusivity of it. And I'll give an example that we got together with a group of friends one time, uh, having a big barbecue, uh, herf for those of you, I mean, if you're listening to the podcast, you know what a herf is. Mm -hmm. Uh, but for those of you that happen to be flipping through and finding this, I'll explain this when a, a group of us, uh, uh, usually, uh, morbidly obese cigar smokers like myself all get together and just party and enjoy. And, uh, uh I believe Steve was one of the first people to use the expression to get mm -hmm. together and herf down a bunch of cigars. It's just a big cigar party where people right. get together and do their own thing. And one of my friends had a travel case with him, and he brought a bunch of cigars. He's like, "Yo, go ahead, grab something out of the box." And I opened the box up, and I picked something up that was relatively rare I hadn't seen in a while. I'm like, "Oh, you got this?" He's like, "No, no, no, don't, don't, don't smoke that. No, right. but, but um, just put that back." I said, "Are you, you planning on smoking it today?" No, no, no. I just, I just have it in there. I said, "So you just want to take your cigars to a barbecue?" Is what you're right. telling me. You just want to show other people that you have you this have that's this. super exactly. rare, exactly. Uh, which I. I get it. I, I have collected a lot of things over the years and have it. I don't know if I'd take the chance of breaking it and bring it to a barbecue, right. but it would probably sit at home. But a lot of times when you have your exclusive and rare product, it, do, it doesn't help your, it doesn't help the parent line. So you'll have a, a, an overall line that you have and you do a line extension of something that's rare and people wind up just chasing the rarity, whether it be a Lancero and you're like, well, there's a Lonsdale and there's a short Corona that just like it. They're like, no, no, no. I, I need to have the Lancero well, exactly. and, and that's it. One, yeah. It's the one. And you can definitely uh, turn your consumers into a little bit of snobs that at any level it becomes, yes, this, this used to be the elite, but now there's an elite of the elite, so the right. elite isn't good enough for me anymore. Uh, that can be the problem with releasing limited edition products because it really, from overall, again, this is a great industry to be in. Right. And let me preface it with that. Uh, I joked that you know years back I used to be a deputy sheriff in Rhode Island and I had a 15 year old kid try and bite my finger off as I fished a bag of dope out of his mouth. Sorry that, about that, by the way. Yeah, that yeah, you were hungry. <laughs> I, that that has never happened in this job. In this yeah. job, when people recognize me, I'm with my family. It's a positive interaction. Right. Uh, but we can definitely turn turn our our smokers into into snobs sometimes. At the end of the day. You know, we, we joke that this is a lot of fun, but it is the cigar business and not the cigar fun. Right. So and, and has that always been like that? Because I know like in the 90s was the boom. Like, so did it just go because of social media now? Is it kind of like that now or is it always kind of been like that? There has always been particular brands that were out there that people would search for. Besides being very good, they were very hard to get. Uh, the two really that come to mind, because I, I, I've been smoking cigars for almost 30 years now. Uh, it, I, did, I didn't start when I was four, you know, so I just put it out there. I am, I am, I am a lot closer to 50 than I am to 30. It was 30. like uh, um, Endgame. Yeah. I went back in time. Uh, yeah. back. Exactly. exactly. Now you ruined it for me. I put all the uh, back in the timeline. Right. So, you know, back in the day, uh, in, the, in the 90s during the boom, so Opus X was distributed yeah. to the eastern half of the United States and Diamond Crown was to the western half of the United States. Uh, Besides the fact that Fuente was was growing that incredible tobacco that wound up being that everybody said you can't Dominican Republic can't grow wrapper tobacco mm -hmm. can't grow wrapper tobacco and you know Carlito and his, and his father Carlos really proved them wrong and were able to do it right. 
and got lightning in a bottle. And besides the fact that it's, it's an exceptional cigar and they're a great company, it was super hard to find. The next thing was really uh, the Padrones. When the Padrones came out with their anniversary series, it was extremely rare and exclusive. And again, great cigars, great products. I still smoke anniversary 1964s. They, they make a size called Corona that you don't see all that often, but when I see it, I wind up picking up a couple of sticks because yeah. they're really good. Uh, but that was, those were the two cigars that I can really remember starting that sort of trying to track things right. down, trying to find it, were, were those two things there because it was, very, it was a very exclusive thing to have. There were not a lot of appointed merchants or dealers that were out there. Uh, Padron, God bless them, they don't have a sales force. Like right. it just, you, I, yeah. God bless them for being able <laughs> to do that in this day and age when people are running all over the country and doing their thing. Uh, to be able to be a small, uh, family business to do something like that. It's and, and still keep their their quality going great. I feel like it was also it was it was different in the '90s in that you know now like you said it was like it's like social media like oh I got this super exclusive thing and they hashtag it and everyone oh where'd you get back in the '90s it was it was totally word of mouth so you were like you know an above average cigar smoker and then some guy you met at a at the Grand Havana room was like oh have you ever heard of the Opus X and he's like no like oh you got to go find him it's from Fuente it's, it's exclusive. And it was the same thing with like you know you know you ever hear of Basil Hayden? Do you ever hear of Blanche? Like these, it was a word of mouth thing. But that's what what made it special was that because it was word of mouth, there was only a few of them. Well, a couple of the things that, that did it as well, and, and circling back around a, a little bit to you know where I am now, working with Steve Saka, you know Steve had his Cigar Nexus mm -hmm. website and worked for Jr. And worked for Lou and had the Jr. Bulletin board. So Steve was one of the early pioneers yes, into was. this business when it was still. When, when, when there weren't really any websites that were out there for it, it was really just the alt forums, and you can find some creepy things on alt forum. Yeah, you can. Uh, but to do the, the cigar version of that, and that's where the following sort of became, and you would then seek those people out, uh, and you would find the various little forums here and there, and it became this cigar community. Right. And that's where things really sparked, and it was, it was funny that I, I got involved in it you know, early on in the 90s, and I would lecture. I would lecture my kids, who are adults now, uh, about not talking to people online. And like, but we were at Harris's house. Didn't you meet him online? Like, all those cigar guys. Didn't you meet online? I'm like, just listen to what I'm yeah, telling that you. Was, it it's was it's different. completely different. It's hard to justify that. I try to usually be the lead by example guy, and not the do as I say, not as right. I do guy. But I was completely the latter. It was on that less one. creepy in the right. '90s. Right. It was right. Like one of my uh, how I got in touch because I used to shoot weddings. I do. I'm wedding videographers. Went before I started this. And I met another company through Xbox, mm -hmm. playing Call of Duty. And good thing I was good. Random. That's, that's why he hired me. It's great. It's like it's crazy. Right. Man, so, you used to play Call of Duty. You did a I lot used, of things. I used to do a lot of things. So was, a, a was things. it a colossal failure in the scheme of things? That's why you're here, or <laughs> no? It's just uh, you know, weddings. Weddings are weddings. Yeah, they are. You know, I like doing that. Uh, you'll have two or three of them in your lifetime. It's yeah. good. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. no, just <laughs> oh, no. Uh, I have a friend of mine that when he and his wife would argue and they'd be out places, he would introduce her as his first wife. So, yeah, yeah. she loved that, that joke. I wouldn't go too Oh, long. you better yeah. pray that to God your wife does not listen to this yeah. podcast. No. I'm going to tell her. Go ahead, tell her. I won't tell her. Yeah. I'm going to throw you yeah. in the bus. Just like the cupcake. Dude, hey. you, you, know, you had a or cupcake cake, and, and you were supposed to be on a diet and she asked about it. So. Diet. Look at me. Do you see a diet? No, that's the problem. There you go. Then again, look at me. Well... I bit Dave when I was 10 years old. That's right. Uh, so, Greg, give me your first impressions of the moisture of the Saka. Uh, I like the smoothness. Um, it's 
rich to me and a little touch of pepper at the end, which I like. I really do love this size, though. Yeah, this is my favorite size because I've been going through box presses to, you know, I thought six by sixties were a thing because I had no idea what I was doing. Um, and then once I started smoking this kind of size cigar, it's just, it just it just tastes really well. Mm. You know, oh, six by, I think six by sixty does it does get a beat in a little bit from people. Uh, well, from the and again, snobs, like from the, the snobs, yeah. it winds up people look at it as it's a novice size, but. Again, it, in the same way that the Lancero is that that oddball size that people like uh, for for its uniqueness or for whatever reason, they like they like to be the outsider. of I smoke Lancero, people don't like. They say cigars, Lanceros are just for experts, and I'm yeah. an expert. Uh, a six by sixty, it's a it's a legitimate size, and yeah. it's a. a there's a tremendous amount of smoke in the same way that a lot of times uh, those of us that I consider myself a cigar geek because I've been yeah. you know because I'm a cigar geek and I can yeah, admit it uh, I, can, I, can, I can own my crap uh, <laughs> you know uh, the cigar geeks sort of uh, uh, look at it in, in, in a negative in a negative connotation right. uh, but in the same way that a lot of times like a Connecticut shade they turn their nose up at a Connecticut shade but if you talk to the retailers mild cigars sell a ton when people walk into a shop, or the average consumer that walks into a shop uh, that isn't in in the inside, in the, in in the, the inner dome. circle yeah. of the know, exactly. when they come in, generally it's they don't smoke cigars all that often. They want to get some cigars for a friend or some sort of a, a, a opportunity or a, an adventure that they're having, be it a, a barbecue or a trip or a graduation, and they want something that's going to be mild and you know non-offensive, shall yeah. we say. Uh, and the majority of cigars that are sold in, in shops and around around the country are generally on the mild side. So yeah, while they're neutral. They're like, yes. you know, it's also not something to put on your ass either. Yeah. Because that's yeah. the other thing. Because if you're not a cigar smoker, you're going to go like, you, you know, you don't want the guy going in the corner and having a tobacco or nicotine over overload. Correct. Oh, I've had guys, I've given guys Opus X before that have thrown up from the strength. But then they kept smoking it because it was so good. This is back, you know, back in the day. But yeah. That, I, that, I, that, 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 that like day a, was Thursday. Yeah. Sounds like yes. a college story to me. Mm -hmm. Damn it, Secret Chris. <laughs> Telling all my secrets. I don't know. You're just there. Uh, oh, he's not. Uh, yeah, I agree. And I mean, when I worked in the store, uh, when someone would go, oh, I, I, need, I need like a good, you know, five pack for a wedding, I would always go something mellow to medium, Romeo and Juliet, the bullies, the mm -hmm. 1875 bullies, great price, great flavor, nice and smooth. You know, yeah, I'm not going to go recommend uh, the Micarita for like, oh, none of us smoke, like we're having a wedding, what should we smoke? I'm like, oh, here, this thing will kill you all. It'll knock you on your ass. Yeah. <laughs> but so you go, you always go with something more mellow. I think... At least for me, I'm not going to speak for the general cigar geeks. As my palate progressed, I, you know, you, you need something with a little more flavor to it, and that's how you kind of get into more strength, more complexity. Um, I think also because you know I didn't really start. You know, Nick started giving me all the cigars when I first started, so it was all Madrid broadleaves. You know, yeah, um, a lot of broadleaves. <laughs> a lot of broadleaves. So a lot of flavor. And once, you know, because before I was smoking the mellow cigars, you kind of like, eh, meh. And then you go and you smoke a Connecticut Broadleaf, you get all that flavor, and then you go back to it. You're kind of like, all right, I kind of respect this a little bit more because yeah. you're, you're tasting, you're, you're understanding it a little bit more. The nuance. Why, why, yeah, yeah, why mm -hmm. it's, you know, more of a mellow cigar and, and where it's coming from, too. So. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, and I might be totally off of date. You can correct me on this. I don't know too many, like, 
total veteran seasoned smokers who smoke exclusively mellow stuff. I, I'd agree. But I, you can find seasoned smokers who smoke exclusively full stuff. The, the, most of them I would say, you know, are your typical like, oh, I'll have like, you know, a nice mellow smoke in the morning, this and that. But I, I feel like there is a group of seasoned smokers who only smoke full bodies, but there's not one that only smokes more mellow Connecticut shade stuff. I, I, would, I would generally agree with that, with the kind of caveat exception that I would give is a lot of people that are seasoned smokers. Seasoned is a, it's an, it's an interesting word. Yeah. Uh, well, people, I would say long-term smokers or veteran smokers, uh, you do find a lot of people that might go to that, the Mellow Connecticut are, are Davidoff smokers. Yo, and they yeah. are absolute loyal, dyed in the wool. I only smoke Davidoff. They only smoke Davidoff white label. They probably don't venture too far outside the realm of trying any right. of the other blends that they have because they're sort of on that. And they like that Connecticut. And they like the particular flavor profile that that has. Right. Uh, I do find that a lot of long-term cigar smokers will generally, while they lean towards heavy, after a while, they, they land on medium. medium but yeah. medium, medium and rich. Medium, not boring. Medium, not air puffer. So when I'll have conversations with people about... You know, life. I I fly a lot. Humble brag. You know, generally is that, hate it is being that a stuck brag? Like, not, you, not, not so much. To people that don't do it, they're like, "Oh man, it was great. You got to travel." I'm like, not I flew middle seat coach across the country the other day. I am six foot three, close to three hundred pounds. That is not with bad back, bad neck. Yeah, it was it was a lovely trip. <laughs> uh, but I love the people that I saw fly when I was on there. Spirit but, Airlines. But, yeah, oh, completely right. You should get a water that just spit on you. <laughs> yeah, right. And then charge you five bucks. Yeah. Right. Five dollars. So, we only take cards. You know, but I when I I talk to people and you're on a plane. What do you do for a living? What do you do for a living? When I say I'm in the cigar business a lot of times they'll ask how, oh, how do you make a Maduro cigar and I'll say how do we make a Maduro cigar how do you make a cigar black because right. those are two different questions oh, yeah. and this tailors a little bit into the the full-bodied answer that I'm going to give uh, and I'll, I'll explain that there's a lot of ways to make a cigar dark and what we do in the fermentation process to make our Maduro cigars is the old the old uh, process of pilloning the cigars and you put in the large piles and it's mm -hmm. it's heat time moisture and you are fermenting the tobacco that way you'll see the writing on the wall of what the, the, the temperature is inside the the pilones and you eventually get to a certain point you fan them out you break it down you repilone and i'll say that is how we ferment to the we, we ferment the wrapper to get to a particular flavor not just to an aesthetic color right. but what you can do with that color also when you go into the fermentation room we'll give you a paper mask to wear because when you go in it really smells like a lot of ammonia and it's not that we're adding ammonia to it we are leaching ammonia out yeah, of the exactly. leaf and it's a long-term process it can take anywhere from a year and a half to close you know three years or so you just right. never know with that particular crop it's it's a lot of art and science so the the people that are working in the fermentation area are really masters at what they do and they understand where it's at you can also take tobacco you can you can box sweat it you can put it in a box crank it up to a certain to a certain heat next thing you know you got maduro in five mm -hmm. or six months or whatever period of time you can boil the tobacco you can dye the tobacco so when people say to me I, you know hey how do you make a how do you make a maduro i explain that or if they say to me i don't like strong cigars and i say what do you consider a strong cigar when you smoke it, it burns the back of your throat, you spit a lot, you need something to drink. They say yes. I said, well, that's not a strong cigar. That is what we would call a sick cigar. Yeah. You have not leached a lot of the ammonia very, and things yeah, out of it. It's very it's young. young. It's yeah. very young. But, but, but generally, when a cigar is young, it's also on a cigar that people have 
made Maduro or made dark. Right. So they have that experience. And I tell them that the, the strength of the cigar comes from the type of tobacco that's in it. The Lajero tobacco is from the top of the plant. It's mean, Lajero means light. It's not like Marlboro light. It's like sunlight, most photosynthesis, right. most strength. And if that's in it, that's when you get sort of hit in the stomach, mm -hmm. you break out in a sweat. And that's where the strength of the cigar is. So when they tell me that they can't smoke a strong cigar and I ask them what they consider strong, and then I'll say, well, that your reaction that you're having is more sick. But if you tell me you smoked a strong cigar, your stomach got a little upset, you broke out in a sweat. I'm like, that was a strong, that was a yeah. strong cigar. And have a little bit of sugar, have a little Coca-Cola or something because your blood sugar is starting to crash and you get a little bit dose of nicotine poisoning and enjoy your poo. I'm laughing. So, so. <laughs> I'm laughing now because that described you during the Jacob's Ladder to a T. Oh, yeah. Minus the... Oh, I, was, I, I didn't know what you were doing no, I, de I definitely didn't get sick. And I definitely no, you, know, you didn't get sick, but you were... You were but I was, I was like... I was cigar high. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he got, I was just he like got loopy. Because usually we'll sit there and like rant at the end. I'm like, no, I'm good. I don't, I don't want to talk about nothing. Just leave me alone. <laughs> you know. So that was a there was a problem. I, mean, I don't know if it's still an ongoing problem, but when I was working in the store, so this is you know end of you know 2009 to you know 15, it was right at the tailor end where a lot of companies aren't even around anymore. But you would take you know their Maduro cigar and you would just rub it with your finger and like it was mm -hmm. be black because mm -hmm. they were like they weren't painting them with you know house paint, but they were basically dying them to look dying darker up. than they were. So if you look at really good uh, broadleaf Maduro, so the stuff that Steve makes, uh, some of the stuff that we've had from Crown Head, some of the stuff from Nick Melillo, they're generally darker, but they're like not all the time are they like super jet black, you know, because they don't have to be necessarily. Right. A, a question I had for you, Dave, is if you a broadleaf wrapper, if you fermented it Differently, let's say you didn't ferment it as a Maduro, where you kept doing that. Let's say you fermented it the same way you would do a, a shade-grown wrapper or something. What are the differences we're talking about in terms of flavor or look, or is it just going to be taste younger, like as you said before? That is a magnificent question for Steve Saka. Okay, I'm going to write that down. Secret That's Chris, sad. can you write that down in my notepad? Jot that please? one down. There you go. Secret notepad. Secret. Are you going to remember that? Uh, I should. I hope yeah. so. Well, we're going to trust me with Steve. Ninety percent of the conversation is going to be broadleaf. Okay. Because it's just my favorite. Mm -hmm. I love it so much. But also, Broadleaf taught me that a Maduro does, does not have to be strong. Because, you know, when I first started, I was like, everyone, like, darker the cigar, the stronger it is. And then I had uh, one of those Ashen Age Maduros, and I had, like, a Fuente 858 Maduro that used Broadleaf. And I'm like, this is super mellow. It's creamy. Well, it's so the, rich. The Broadleaf itself should have a natural bit of sweetness yeah. to it. So, like, when you, when you talk about Maduro, think of, uh, like, ripe bananas. Yeah. So ripe bananas are sweeter than a regular banana. You know, the yellow banana versus the, the brown, the aged, the Maduro banana. Maduro literally means ripe, doesn't it? Correct. It, it literally translates to ripe. So you should get a natural bit of sweetness mm -hmm. out of that Maduro. And that, that's out of that broadleaf. And that's the same conversation that I was having where people assume that it's going to be strong right. because they've had that experience with darker cigars in the past. They immediately say, oh, this is going to be a strong cigar. And it shouldn't necessarily. That's okay. We, it happens we to drop stuff time. all over the place. Uh, <laughs> nobody saw that. Nobody heard on the podcast. We're good. So, I mean, edit in, Chris. Right. <laughs> Keep it in, Chris. Just add it digitally for the rest of the show. <laughs> but that's a general general aspect, and the, and the mindset becomes this must be strong because it's yeah. dark, and you try and break people away from that a little bit if if you can. Absolutely. But then then don't get me wrong, we do have Maduro cigars that are strong. Well, I mean, we don't have any here, and I don't know how much you're willing to talk, but we did see the articles dropped yesterday about this new Mi Carita that. 
I, I, before I even read the article, I just saw the picture and it looked like it looked like the Mikarita and the Mikarita box, but it had instead of the blue band, it was a red band. I'm like, that looks dangerous. Like that looks like it's gonna be super freaking strong. It is. It is very strong. I'll tell you oh. that. I I smoked some of the samples with with Steve a couple weeks ago, uh, and I do uh, smoke rather rather quickly. I'm an, yeah. I'm an aggressive smoker, <laughs> and uh, I hadn't really eaten all that much. I had a Ooh. you know just some some coffee and and a and a, a light, maybe a maybe a donut, buy a donut. I mean, probably three donuts uh, in my I've stomach. I've seen you and Maddie Rock on Instagram. I've right. seen the donuts you eat. Right, right. Don't don't you judge me. You got a, <laughs> you got a nice view up there on your high horse neck. I can't so, fit on a horse. It's a Clydesdale. Right. Uh, and smoking that cigar, it really uh, it, it, it had an impact on me. And I smoke a lot of cigars and a lot of strong cigars, mm. and that was. Uh, it was nice. So it's it's called the uh, it's the Micarita uh, Tricky Traca, which is a, a Nicaraguan sort of uh, slang for a string of firecrackers mm-hmm. that are that are laid out and you know used for celebrations down in Nicaragua. Mm-hmm. So we originally made a, a firecracker blend for yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, David Two Guys up in New Hampshire because uh, he does a, a series of those. So this is a that fire was the small one with the, the small little, one actually, with the little fuse. Yeah, funny going into the po- no, I didn't see it, but going into podcasts because I was trying to get into podcasts, learning more about cigars. That actually was my first podcast with with Steve on there, and I was hearing about the firecracker cigar and how he absolutely hates blending that cigar, right? Because it's such he has this. He went on this huge rant, and I was just laughing because that's kind of like. I'm kind of have that personality of like, you know, go back to the, you know, go back to the originality of what cigars are. And don't, you know, people are like, oh, it has a firecracker as a thing. You're going to buy it now kind of thing. So he's very, I thought it was, I thought it was, I thought it was great. Blunt. He's sword. blunt, but like very traditional. Like he likes he like, you know, this is, this is like, it's, it smokes best here. It tastes like I made it good for this size. And someone's like, yeah, but I'll buy a hundred boxes. If you make it look like a wooden Indian, he's like, All right, I'll do it. But it's like, not what I want to do. But like, I guess that's why he sent me with the Lancero. People just bugged the hell out of him. He's like, yeah, but the blend works best. here. He's like, I don't care. I want it. like, all right, here's, you know, a hundred boxes. Literally leave me the hell alone. Leave me the hell alone. Yeah. Steve's, Steve's great. I've he really, uh, I, I started, I actually knew Steve before I even worked for Drew Estate. I knew Steve as a consumer. He was still working at JR at the time. And yeah. again, one of these large herfs we had in New England, uh, he was invited through. He was friends of friends of mine that were there. So I met him back in the JR day. And then a, a few years later, I met him when he was president of Drew, came by again. I still wasn't even with the company yet. Right. And I just liked his uh, his his straightforward, no-nonsense. Uh, and again, I'm, I'm from New England. I am a huge ball breaker. Got right. very thick skin when it comes to stuff. So uh, Steve, when, when people tell me, like, Oh, I've never met Saka before. I'm going to be in an event with him next week. What do you think? I said, I think you should wear your thick skin. Yeah. I said, because he will just, he has, he has relatively no filter. Yeah. And, and I said, if, if he thinks you said something that's really smart, he will tell you. And if he thinks you said something really stupid, he will tell you. So our podcast with him is going to be fun. Oh, oh that's magnificent. Be great. Between me and you <coughs> saying stupid things, yeah, we're going to, it's going to be awesome. All right, fantastic. Steve, why don't because you mentioned, you know, a few little bits and pieces of your past. I think you have a very interesting past. Um, a lot of it involving the cigar industry, and like I said, several of the biggest companies. But some really cool things before that. So why don't you take us through the journey of Dave? Ah, uh, the journey of Dave. Yeah. Uh, I'm uh, Bill and Judy's little boy, David. Grew <laughs> up in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, which is the world headquarters of CVS Pharmacy. It's what we're very proud of there. Is that where they keep uh, all the receipt paper? I, b- I believe so. I believe so. <laughs> from there, from there, <laughs> there. To, make all the receipt. Paper. There to the moon. Uh, <laughs> so. Uh, Way back when, many many years ago, uh, like I said, uh, previously I was a I was a deputy sheriff for a period of time. 
did that for uh, for a couple of years and then worked uh, uh, for the Secretary of State of Rhode Island at night, nights and weekends, sort of driving. Uh, he's quadriplegic. He was a, a police, a, a, a Boy Scouts Explorer Scout ride-along program. He was in a locker room, two guys on a SWAT team, got a new 45. One guy didn't, oh, no. didn't unload it properly, and one of the guys was testing the trigger pull, ricocheted off a locker, came, shot him through the neck, severed his spinal cord. So uh, didn't let him set it back. Uh, Went, um, finished with his graduating class in high school, uh, went to Rhode Island College, got his degree there, uh, got into the state legislature, and then went to Harvard Kennedy School of Government at night, got his master's from there. So he was Secretary of State of Rhode Island. I worked for him nights and weekends uh, for three and a half years, and I was on the Sheriff's Department during the day during that time. And then when he got elected to go to D.C., he said, I need somebody with me I can trust. Will you come to D.C. with me? So I took a leave from the department and eventually left the department and spent six and a half years going between Rhode Island and D.C. and wherever else in the world. How does that work went. now? I'm always curious about like when senators, you know, like from faraway states, like they're there Monday through Friday and then they go home on the weekends. You go home generally. I mean, you can set your own schedule for what you do, right. but all politics is local, and you better be home in your right. district to help people out. It's what it's what you do. Right. Uh, so we we would generally head back every every weekend, or we'd be we went to we went flew into Iraq. We did troop visits. We wow. uh, were in England checking out stem cell research facilities. Guests of the government. Uh, we're in Israel a couple different times. I almost got uh, I almost got shot in uh, uh, Gaza over misunderstanding. Uh, Palestinian. <laughs> Already misunderstood that I didn't want to be shot in Gaza, so it was. Uh, well, you want to, it was, you want to be shot? No, 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 no. It was not, not here. Guys, he wants to be it shot. Was, Let's get him. It was. It was. It was the week before my first my first wedding uh, oh. with my ex-wife, and I joked that planning a wedding is so stressful that I went to the Middle East for a week to relax before we did it. Um, <laughs> then he came back like, "Honey, I love you. Like, this is why I'm so right. excited for this." It, it, was, it was interesting. I'm now ready for this. <laughs> so I was with him for ten years, but I was always a diehard cigar guy, mm. and. Uh, at nights, I'd hang out with, with Capitol Police for late night votes. We'd smoke a cigars in the garage, or the, the parking garage, and doing things like that and hanging out. And it's a good cigar community down in D.C. as well. Oh, so we get good, done yeah. with the night and hang out at a couple different places down there. And then uh, my kids were, were teenagers. I was traveling so much, got two yeah. daughters, and uh, my ex-wife said, it's, it's, it's time for you to come home. I can't do this on my own, and I feel like I'm a single mom, but if you keep it up, I will be, so she's going to murder me or divorce me. Neither one of those seems like good plans. And I, <laughs> I came home, and a friend of mine worked for Drew Estate before me, and he left. He actually took a job with Oliva, and he said, you know, Drew Estate was owned by, uh, was started by John of the Drew, Marvin Samuel. So John's partner, Marvin, was in town doing some events. And my buddy said, I think you guys had hit it off. We met at a cigar bar. We had lunch. We talked about cigars. We, he did an event in Rhode Island that night. I stopped by. It was my local shop. They vouched for me. And the next night, they did an event in Connecticut about three hours from my house. And I knew those guys, too. And I came out to the event, and they vouched for me, too. Like, oh, Dave's a great guy. My friend's like, you drive three hours to hang out at a cigar shop? I said, I love cigars. He's like, you could be a rep. And then I started as Drew as the New England and upstate and western New York rep uh, in 07. And in 08, I got called to the office and I actually thought I was getting fired. They had me fly down, wouldn't tell me why. I'm like, ah, I'm getting fired. And they just want to, they just want to see me cry in the office if at all possible because, you know, that's, they, they that's how that we are. Cause, yeah, because we just sort of get off on it. We're, <laughs> we're horrible human beings. And uh, they said, we want, we want to make you regional manager. You know, uh, we want you to run the sales force east of the Mississippi. We want you to teach the guys how to work smarter and not harder. So I, I started that and... You know, middle, you know, middle to, to later 08, and then started to handle some of the smaller, uh, the mid-tier wholesaler levels. And actually, JR was the first national account that I started to handle. Uh, and it was 
um, Manny from Ashton had passed away mm. at TAA, and I was at the funeral with Steve uh, in Pennsylvania, and Ed McVeigh, Ed McVeigh, the former you know buyer, you know extraordinaire, the face of the Easy Eddie's cigars. Oh, okay. yeah. oh yeah. glad I watched that video the yeah. other day. <laughs> he was there, and he and Steve have known each other, of course, forever. Yeah. and we were we were talking a little bit, and uh, Steve was like, you know, Jr. is really not getting the kind of attention that they need. And I'd like you to sort of that your first foray into national account level stuff. So JR is really where I started to cut my teeth well, back go. in the day. And that was right around the time now. I started too, like 2008, 2009 is when mm -hmm. I started. Um, what was, so for quick question and then a broader question. When did the league come out? 07, 08? 07. So it was, it was, so there were some smaller events that were done mm in 06 to 07 time, but it was first shown in its, in its full double box packaging at the Houston trade show in 2007. Okay. So you had come on board right when that... I came on board just, be, just before that when It was so just I, being formally... What was the landscape of Drew Estate? It was just like acids and then a few of the other little things? It, like was, it was, yeah. I mean, it was really, it was acid, natural. Uh, Chateau Real was a Connecticut, Connecticut shade. Uh, that was a good smoke. It was a really good smoke. That was smoke. a good smoke. Yeah, it was a, it was a good smoke that that didn't really get enough of a, a toehold out right. there. Where I, I think we're, and again, hindsight's twenty twenty. Uh, people forget that when Liga Bravada was released, it wasn't a popular cigar. Like mm -hmm. we opened fifty accounts at the IPCPR in two thousand and seven, and we had some people say, "No, we're not interested." Right. Like, Cuba Cuba is back ordered. Just get you're the acid guys. Why are you trying to make real cigars? Just yeah. make your stuff. So. It really took three years before Liga Pravada became a bit of a hit. And I think that if Chateau was released after Liga Pravada, it probably would have done, after Liga Pravada was hot, right. it probably would have done very, very well. It would have been done, I, would have, I feel it would have done as well as like an underground shade mm -hmm. or, or like that, that realm. Mm -hmm. I, I don't get these guys, not just in this industry, but in any industry, these guys who are like not forward, like you've seen enough movies to know that the old guy who's like, ah, that's not what people want, like that guy's always wrong. Like, you're always wrong. There's always, it, it, things always develop. They always evolve. So, yeah, they were the acid guys yesterday. Take a chance. Buy a few boxes. You know, I bet those guys would kick themselves in the acid. They weren't one of your first accounts for Liga Pravada, the biggest cigar in the past 20 years. But the, it, it, what's funny is in this, uh, in this industry, there, there is really uh, a history as well of people that are sort of fly-by-night or make things. And the retailer only has so much money right. to put in. You live and die on turns. You only have so much real estate to stock an item and you know you you have seen in in the past that some stuff has been a a, a colossal failure for a lot of different companies so okay. I, I understand why someone would would look at it that way they were wrong they backed the wrong horse yeah. uh but again the same thing for for one example like when, when acid came out and again it it came out and I only I only knew about it just ancillarily. Like right. it was around, but it really wasn't wasn't my thing. It wasn't something that I was I was right. interested in. Not my wheelhouse. I was you know looking for that stronger cigar that was there. And people just said, "Oh, that cigar, it's a fad. It's a flash in the pan. It'll be going in two years." And now they're celebrating the twentieth anniversary of the cigar. But a lot of people said the same thing. And I don't want to give them complete similarities to it. But the leaf by Oscar. When that oh, came yeah. out, wrapped it a tobacco leaf, the whole bit, you look at it, and a lot of people are like, that's gimmicky, that thing's never going to survive, and it's everywhere. It's all, yeah. it's all over the place. And I, one, of the, one of the complicated issues of that cigar, that one of the things that I said people aren't going aren't gonna to go to that is because people 
aesthetically want to see what the cigar looks like. That right. cell, you know, cigars are in the cellophane. You look, you can see, is it cracked? What is it going to look like? What is the experience going to be? And you know, once you take the wrapper leaf off of that cigar, the ones that I've seen have been really, really beautiful. And some oh, of the shops, funny. some of the shops do it right because they actually open one of them up so and just so you can see what it looks like. But it just looked like oh, nobody's going to buy that because they can't, they can't see what it is. Like that's got to be the, the kiss of death to not be able to what that is. And then again, we put cigars in, in coffins. You can't see them. So. Shame on me. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well, talking about that, why why the whole coffin look to it? Uh, because it's a it, it's special. It's, it, coffin makes a great presentation. Uh, it, it, it makes a great gift to, to people. Uh, and you know our, our coffins, oh, they're they're you know seventeen eighteen dollar cigars. They are in no way, shape, or form an inexpensive cigar. Right. That is not what I'm saying at all. Uh, but if you look at the coffin cigar marketplace the general price of a coffin somewhere like 22 to 25 right. so to be the the inexpensive coffin cigar in no way is it inexpensive but in the coffin realm uh, it just makes a really a really nice presentation and uh it keeps the price point on a on a box to a reasonable amount yeah. i mean don't get me wrong it's only a seven count only a seven count box uh but it, it just a, it's a nicer presentation and also with a guy like steve i mean this was let me see if i got this one. this was his I want to say on the third or fourth release, because it was Sober Mesa, it was Mi Carita, and then I want to say it was Umbagog, because that was just like Mi Caritas that he didn't want to put in the Mi Carita box, so he just put them in the Umbagog. So I want to say this was his fourth release. Well, they're actually they're technically a different blend. Are they? Internally. Okay. So Steve can explain that explain yeah. that more. <clears throat> Pardon me. And the only reason why I know that is because recently there was a thing that he commented on on Facebook or Instagram, one of the social media platforms where people, someone was referring to the Umbagog as a Mikarita second. And he said, it's not, it's not a second. There's actually a difference in the blend. I appreciate you enjoying the cigar, liking the cigar, and me as the manufacturer, because it just says internally, Nicaraguan, Nicaraguan, yeah. just like it does, you know, Connecticut Broadleaf, Nicaraguan, Nicaraguan, just like it says a Mikarita. Uh, it's technically a little, a little different. But what, what I was getting at, and I appreciate that, by the way, because I've, I've been kind of... Portraying it as that, that's what I thought it was. But so when he came out with something in a coffin, I feel like he already built, he, everyone knew who he was. They knew his talent. He was with Drew Estate, now his own brands. You could take a risk on, a, on an unseeable cigar from Steve Saka. Whereas Leaf by Oscar, no one knew who Island Jim Robinson was unless you lived in like the Pittsburgh area. And no one certainly knew who Oscar Velarde was at that point. So it was like, all right, two guys I have no idea about in a cigar that I can't see. What the hell? But we've been talking about it a lot recently because Island Jim was here last uh, a couple weeks ago, and we did a video with him. And that's I've been saying that for a while. It's that underdog story, and then it spawned. And I haven't had a bad leaf yet. So they had the leaf by Esteban, which Esteban from mm-hmm. Romacraft did. The leaf by James from uh, James Brown of Black Label Trading Company. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah, that one just came out this year. Um, which actually leads me into another conversation. Uh, again, might be better for Steve, but I want to see your take on it. Pennsylvania Broadleaf versus Connecticut, because the the leaf by James uses a Pennsylvania Broadleaf, mm-hmm. the Jacobs Ladder uses Pennsylvania Broadleaf. What do you see the differences in those? Do you see as it's kind of a replacement because now everyone wants to use Connecticut, but there's only so much, so Pennsylvania is a good place to kind of get back up, or do you see them as two totally distinct kind of tobaccos? Me, a, it's a great Steve question. Uh, B, for me, uh, I, I don't see it as a full replacement. Mm. Uh, it's just a different. While while they're both while they're both broadleaf, uh, they definitely have some different flavor right. characteristics to them. But we use the Pennsylvania broadleaf as the the binder and the sober mesa. 
So we have we have some PA broadleaf that's in there. I, I hope that's right. I didn't just lie to the entire audience. We do a little fact check. Uh, check the, the filler binder wrapper of the Sober Mesa, please. That's why he's there. He's great. He's mm -hmm. great. He's so, he's so good. Look he's so him. secret. He's so secret. He's Everybody needs a production secret. assistant. Yeah. But he's not really there. Yeah, we, we call him Secret Chris because he doesn't have a microphone, so when he talks, it's kind of like it's an echo. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, so back to a little bit to your history. So you Angel worked for Drew. Wings. Angel in the Wings. <laughs> you worked for Drew. Uh, what was your final position with that? So like? my, my final position with Drew was a director of national accounts. Okay. So I handled all web catalog. And just before I had that position, I was director of national accounts, but it was not only all web catalog, it was all web catalog wholesale but I also had five reps that reported to me. Okay. And at some point, I split off the reps. I promoted one of the guys and said, I said you, you got to, there's like just too much stuff on the plate. And then a little while later, they split off the wholesale division and created a director of premium wholesale. So it was just focused on, on web catalog. Mm -hmm. But I missed, I missed being out on the road with the reps. I, I miss being out there doing events and oh, getting out I and doing that stuff. I love you at events. Dave was the best at events. He well, it's funny because like we talk about traveling and everything else, and I have two little ones now, so it's like I'm like sitting here like listening to you like how much that probably sucked as a family wise being on the road all the time because crap I can't go out with Nick after a bar without catching a little little heat. Mm -hmm. um, not won't say from where. Um, <laughs> Smart but, man. Um, so it's like you know how did you balance that to making you know poorly okay. Honestly, poorly well, so good hence the last conversation i told was about me and my ex-wife so i got you uh, i don't want to say it, anything but like yeah, yeah i, I follow that i know it is, yeah, I, it's, I did but at the same time it's you know more you know it's okay. as a whole you don't want you want it to work of when course, i when i like the kids wise when i thing, when i grew up never my, gonna go my, my father my father was a welder and uh, we lived in Rhode Island, but his uh, union hall was in Massachusetts and covered really throughout New England. And he'd get a phone call that just says, hey, uh, we got a, a slot opened up at the paper mill in J. Maine. You're going to be working six days, you know, six twelves. Uh, it's a four-month gig. All right, gone. And he's just gone for months. But that was, my mom was a school teacher, so she was home, you know, with us at a reasonable time at night, was home in the summer times. Right. It wasn't really an issue. So growing up, it was just, that was what it is. You know, dad, dad went away to work. He was just, he was just gone. Uh, and I, I, I didn't quite understand it and grasp it as a kid. So when I was, you know, doing it as, as an adult, it was just sort of like, well, this is, this is what my job is. This is what I do. And I'm, I'm away. Uh, so it was definitely difficult, uh, definitely difficult on, on the family. And what's very difficult sort of on the families and of reps who are on the road constantly. all the time, constantly, is that a lot of what you see is just what becomes portrayed on social media. So it looks like you're just out partying at an event and having fun while right. your social wife is at home is holding so down so bad. one to two jobs bad. plus trying to deal with the kids. Right. And it looks like you, it just, it looks a lot more, it looks like a lot more fun than it potentially could be because at the end of the day, we sell a luxury product. Right. You know, people don't need to buy our product. Thank you for buying it. Thank you for buying it. Thank you for buying it. Uh, they don't need to buy cigars.com. Yeah. Right. They, <laughs> they can buy anything. So you don't want to buy cigars from the miserable person. Yeah, you're not meeting in factories like, you know, selling drywall or something. Right. Like you're, you're selling a, a luxury I don't want to say fun, a more an better word than fun. Yeah. It's, 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 it's an experience and, yeah. a, and a hobby. Right. Yeah. 
So a lot of what can be viewed from the outside, especially from your family, is that you're just out having a good time while they are really putting in the lion's share of the work back home. So it can be detrimental. In fact, one time, uh, so back back in the Drew days, (coughs) the outside sales reps worked with an inside counterpart. And John, I was down in Miami one time, he's like, oh, the inside guys think they're getting really beat up and the, the outside guys treated a lot better. I said, well, do me a favor, make sure the inside guys don't say it to an outside guy because they might get punched in the face. He's like, why would you say that? I'm like, ask the inside guys if it's nice to have breakfast with the kids in the morning and put them on the school bus, tuck them in at night, read them a story and get to go to soccer games on the weekends. Right. My guys can't do that. My guys are on the road all the time. He's like, that's, that's a really good point. I'm like, yeah, and you look at it, it looks like they're out having all this fun. They are away from their families and away from a right. lot of a lot. And don't get me wrong. Again, we are blessed to be in the industry that we're in. Yeah. Uh, we're all thrilled. We all we all decided they, we wanted they provide to do this. You, like, like yeah. listen, you need to go. You know, you, kids graduation. Like, you know, you do what you got to do. Yeah, you would think. Well, okay. Yeah, you would think. <laughs> well, so, it's, like, so, yeah, it's, yeah. it's just like you know, my father-in-law is a longshoreman, and yeah. he's working. He's working a hundred hours a week. Mm-hmm. You know, so my wife understands. But when it comes to my work, like we're going to North Carolina. And we're going to Vegas, and you're like, oh, you're gonna go party, and yeah, it's gonna seem that way, sure. But the, if you're going to Burlington, there's a uh, there's a great Cajun joint over in Greensboro that I got to get you the information on. The, the something box, I got I got to look it up and get it to you. But I was told there's a phenomenal uh, Cajun joint. That's but we there. definitely will be hitting up the Biscuitville. I know you don't like oh, biscuits, and you're gonna love, deal with it. You're gonna no, deal no, with no, it. No, no, you, you don't like. How do you not love biscuits? I, I don't like doughy stuff. Like pancakes. Have you tried it? Have you have you, have you had their biscuits? No, though? not theirs. The All place right. is called Biscuit. I'm not going to be against it. It's not like I'm not going to get a biscuit, gonna... and I'm not going to say I'm not going. I just he... I'm going to go in there. With... Nick, I want to report. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, well, we're we're going to videotape it. Well, well, sure. <laughs> sure. Dude, they make the biscuits <laughs> in front of you. Dude, biscuit builds fresh biscuits. Really? Yeah. 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 I just I like it light. Don't give me a heavy. No, heavy they're, they're nice. They're fluffy. Okay. I'm all about them. They definitely should pay money for a plug right now because it's that good but it's that good we're sponsored by biscuit milk <laughs> no money they just imagine, send us biscuits we right. take all the cigar they, gear they, off and all I biscuits mean, no money no biscuits they just allow us to go there <laughs> they haven't barred us from the facility well, it's great because there's that one road right by the jr store mm-hmm. in burlington where it's it's all the fast foods that like you've heard on tv there's like, there's like a bojangles there there's a chick-fil-a it's crispy there's cream. a not not yeah. shake shack the steak and steak shake. and shake it's like all those like novelty yeah. fast foods that like you've only seen on television yes. and they're all right there. somebody somebody said the other day the healthiest part about the the healthiest lifestyle the healthiest part of the cigar business are the cigars themselves oh yeah because <laughs> we eat and drink so much crap there's a uh, crispy cream drive-through but going back, because actually we've been, we've been talking about this, and yeah, so like when we're in Vegas, we have to go uh, to like this roof party thing for Alec Bradley because to get our, our footage. I definitely didn't tell my wife that yet. Okay. <laughs> but it's, it's not like, I mean, for me, it'll probably be a lot of fun and games, but for Greg, like he's carrying around a camera and a bag and all this stuff. With the exception of maybe like the dinners, if we go to the dinner, like the Drew Estate dinner, where there's literally, you can just sit down there, have a nice meal and relax. Other than that, we're working... They- they closed that restaurant, so I don't know. Dave, you know, they that I think was that was by far the best meal I've ever had, and Mario Batali had to go and ruin it by being a pig. Yes, that they came around. All right, yeah. well, let's, let's look at what we're gonna tell. Them. So first, there was a bunch. So you're of, gonna tell me something that I can never have ever again? Yeah, but it's, right, this is very that. cigar right now. Yeah. This is the cigar like, again. It's taking limited, taking, yeah. taking your cigars to a barbecue. We're about to explain to you what something you can never experience. So uh, a lot of big companies they do dinners, you know, for right. bigger companies like us. So uh, Drew Estate took uh, would take us to Carne Vino. 
which was uh, the Italian steakhouse Narvitali had. It's in the Venetian, right? Correct. It's in the Venetian. And so, and Dave was, it was funny because Dave was like, Dave's always in charge usually of like whatever, whatever Drew Estate was doing. So at an event, he was in charge of setting up all the boxes. And then at this dinner, he's getting everyone in. All right, you guys can sit here. He's breaking out cigars. He's doing like the whole spiel. The one year they gave us boxes of dirty rabbits. It was awesome. We each got our own. Oh, I still, oh, I still whispering? remember that day. And then there's a bunch of appetizers. There was like a pasta dish and there was like a soup. We had a sommelier with like different wines. I didn't know what the hell they were, but they were all delicious. I explained to Nick when he said, man, this wine is great. I said, just so you know, later tonight, you're taking a thousand dollar piss. Just so you understand <laughs> how good that wine is. Oh my God. Yeah. Because in the, in the Did sommelier... you look like this when he went to this? Was no, he, I had, did you I, have no, a leather a, jacket? I had a shirt tie. He had a glow. He had a glow to him. Oh, that's back when me. That was when me and Dane were there. So yeah, I had a shirt and tie, a nice blue tie. You finally felt like an adult for the oh, first yeah, time. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, when I was wearing sneakers, but <laughs> gotta be comfy, man. Uh, and then the waiter comes around, like, "Oh, you want to hear the specials?" And I'm just like, I'm already like kind of half full. The appetizers were great. There was, I had lobster for the not lobster, a crab legs for the first time. And then he's like, "All right, so first we have this um, uh, 90 day old dry aged ribeye," and I'm like, "Just that, don't that. That's what I want next." It was an experience. It was a nine-month-aged oh ribeye, and it tastes like buttered popcorn. Oh my god, it was so good! And then we were everyone was so full. And then me and Dane, see, we were smart because we were going out afterwards. We we're gonna go hang out, uh, at, you know, like in the in the Venetian, like everyone the circle out bar, the circle bar, yeah. And so, but we were so we were so full from this meal. First of all, I didn't know what was happening, like how the meal was gonna go. So they put bread on the table. I'm Italian. I'm dipping it in oil. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just what you do. It's a palate cleanser. You know, a nice garlicky bread, a little oil. We'll put a little salt in mm-hmm. the oil. But we were so full. So me and Dan are like, we got an idea. Let's get shots of grappa. Ooh. You know what grappa is? No. Grappa is an Italian or Greek, like, after dinner. It's called, like, a digestivo. Like, um, what's the licorice one called? Uh, and is that? Like, and is that? that, that, uh, that and is that ouzo type of thing? It's basically, it's boiled grape vines. They boil it until it's alcohol. It's kind of the stuff that they can't use for wine. Yeah. yeah. But they can use it to, like, clean your car. Like, you know, yeah, get the shit it's, car, it's, like it's uh, horrific. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's horrible. Yeah. It's horrible. But what happens is, and I learned this in Italy, is you do a shot of it before dessert, and it basically dissolves all the food in your stomach, and it leaves Just you... Just like the paint on a car. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it, okay, it, it literally dissolves it. Um, and I think you told me afterwards, because, like, you were paying the bill and everything, and you're like, dude, dude, dude I'm not, like, you're cool, like... That was expensive grappa. I'm like, how much was it? Because usually, like, a shot of grappa at a nicer place is like ten dollars, something like twenty eight dollars for like per shot. It was, but it was good. I mean, it tasted horrible, but it was it was the best horrible I've ever had. Mm. But that was then, dude. That was that that place. Now it's closed, so I guess we got to go to that other steakhouse in Vegas, the other big one. Uh, All of them. No, there's another one. That <laughs> narrows it down. Uh, oh, who was that guy who was smoking cigars with? The fat you know guy? He had an opinion about everything. That guy, you know that guy. Yeah, you know him. Yeah, you know that steakhouse in Vegas? You know that uh, no, one? No, but it's like the other one, uh, Cut. Oh, Cut's excellent Cut's as well. Really good. If you, when you go to Cut, you've got to get the, uh, they have different add-ons, and one of them is bone marrow. And it's like, they actually, it's like large chunks of like roasted bone marrow. It's out of this world. See, this is, Dave is the guy for this. I mean, that was very, that was a very bougie statement for me to make right there. <laughs> Dude, like, you, you have wanna, to try the bone but, marrow on your steak. If you but, want to put the cigar industry, you would be a great, like, head of food tourism for like the whole, literally the whole country, for like for really high-end places. What's funny is there's like a guy in New York that does it. I think his name is also Fat Dave. It's like <laughs> Fat Dave's Food Tour and he has an old yellow checker cab 
and brings your, I mean, guy might be dead now for all I know, but years <laughs> back, uh, it was like, oh man, it's like, like fat, you know, fat Dave's food tour or something like that. And, uh, he would bring you to all, like the best spots. all the different spots like that. Is it yeah. like the guy, uh, who passed away last year, the, uh, Boudin, the, Andrew Andrew Bourdain. Bourdain. Yeah. No, Andrew Bourdain was a little conceited. I'm yeah, more of a guy his, but, he, <laughs> but he knew his food, right? So like he went around yeah. the world touring food. So but he would only do like he wouldn't do. I, I feel like he wouldn't do like a Peter Luger's or like a Smith and Wolenski. Well, he would do like that's why like, he's this, different. This only five people are served sushi at this place in Tokyo every week. There's only five customers, and it's eight hundred dollars, and you get this. Oh. I feel like that's what he, like what he focused on. Guy Fieri is like ribs. <laughs> I ran into Guy Fieri at an Admirals Club in. Uh, in JFK flying out one time and I look and I see him there and I'm like I hate to be that guy as I'm walking over he's like I'm like I'm sorry to interrupt but we have mutual he's really close with Matt, Matt Booth. Booth yeah he and, went to the Matt Booth went to the star yeah he got a star on the walk of fame and Matt Booth went to the ceremony and his wife is from Rhode Island so we we have okay. similar friends from growing up in Rhode yeah. Island and things like that so we were talking I said I'm, I was flying to Pittsburgh I said I'm on the way to Pittsburgh got to be a million and one questions where do I got to go he's like oh this is place Nadine's you got to get the meatballs. He's like, you go to Pittsburgh. It's a lot of good places. You got to go to the ADs, have the meatballs. And it was just a just great, great running into him. Yeah, just little he, spots he's, here he's and there. Nice and I think he gets a bad rap because, you know, everyone else in the Food Channel is the highest. So I think this man probably knows way more about like a good steak he, or good meat. And, than, than and also, he does a ton of stuff for charity. Oh, yeah. He, oh, works, no, I, with I the, uh, he works with the Best Buddies program for uh, uh, pairing up with the uh, developmentally disabled uh, yeah. uh, uh, youth. I mean, it's a great, it's a great program he to be involved in. He like, popcorn and cotton candy machines for school so they can, like, fundraise and, like, raise money yeah. to, like, 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 make the pop. He's an, and he no, gives all these, like, you know, low-budget, good food places in the country free advertising on But his sometimes it kind of sucks. I mean, it's great for them, but when you have a hole-in-the-wall place that you've enjoyed going to, oh, yeah, and next thing you know it's on there, you can't go yeah. into it. There's a place in, uh, there's a ramen spot in L.A. that oh, I've been going to for years. Oh, love it. <laughs> Shut you know your what? mouth. Mine is probably just as good, and I got That's it at right. Quick Check for 98 cents. Stop. Stop. <laughs> You're dead to me. Boiled That's a like, little water, poured it in. Oh. That's probably one of the worst oh. things I've ever heard you say. Heathen. Because you're better than that. Yeah, you might as well say Chef you sound Boyardee. Like, you sound like internal. I like, Chef I like Pho. Boyardee. Yeah. I like Pho. That's what you just said. That's what you just said. <laughs> Take that all, and tell your family. Chef Boyardee was sure. a classically trained Italian chef. Gosh. And the Americans ruined him. Right, jam that his, stuff into a can. With his mac and cheese microwavable right. bowls. But he was he was a like the head chef for like this big hotel in like Cleveland, right. like a fancy like right. Ritz Carlton hotel. If my aunt had bowls, she'd be my uncle. Great, yeah. Chef Boyardee back in the day, wonderful. Oh, dude, it was pronounced Boyardee. <laughs> yeah, sure it was. It was B O no, it was B O I A R. Yeah, yeah, they're trying to force it down your throat with the ads. You watch TV, I get it. We see no, what you're, we're at. You're ruining my childhood now. That's right. It's a little Chef Boyardee, a hot pocket. Oh, <laughs> I don't, oh I don't, sorry, I, don't I didn't have bone marrow on the playground. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Dude, yeah. We, there was a lot happy of crystal birth- light in my house. Happy birthday. Yeah. Get like a tartufo for your birthday cake. <laughs> yes, you caught me. Um, well, 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 tell me about the ramen place, though, because I guess I got to know about it. Orochan ramen is phenomenal. And I brought Fabian there one time, and Fabian does not like spicy stuff. So oh, this like place spicy. eventually wound up on man versus food. Okay. So I used to go with what they had as their hottest level, and then they put one above that, and that's what wound up on, on man versus food. Uh, but the, what I always went with was so spicy. Fabian was sitting across the table from me 
one time as I'm eating it, and he couldn't even sit at the table because the, the, the steam wow. that was coming off of it was that spicy, and now they have one that's even hotter than that. That's what wound up on Man versus Food. But before, it was no problem. Ramen set, you're great. You're in and out. Is, was now it one of those like, hots where it's like, it's not even a joy? I like, like hot. I like, I, hot I like, and I will go with like the super hot. That's why I won't even go with their right. hottest one because not only do they add so much, like the, when the guy's making it, he's wearing a... a, a a mask in yeah, the back because you know it's so over about. the top uh, and they serve it super hot it's like alright there's a 30 minute time limit like I just I like really hot stuff on occasion uh, and just like the endorphin rush right. that's there but they do a great job but my dad uh, so my parents you see my parents that's the, the backyard it had, it had like these big trees but they were my parents backyard is like nice and then it has one of those walls from like a highway like Route 80 like one of mm-hmm. those those walls and right on the other side of the wall were like these big trees and the town came and said, oh, we got to get rid of these trees. They were on the town's property. So it was fine. They could. But now my dad has this beautiful, like, big spot where he gets a lot of sunlight in the backyard. So he's like, oh, I'm going to move my garden now from where it was getting kind of some light over here. So he's going all out this year. Tomatoes, zucchini, all this stuff. I'm like, oh, you're going to grow. Because usually he'll grow some hot peppers and we'll make, like, you know, a dip or mm-hmm. I'll use them. And he's like, oh, yeah, I decided I'm going to make ghost peppers this year. Mm. I'm like, why? He's like, oh, I'm going to give them to you. I'm like, what am I going to do with them? <laughs> but I'm excited. Dude, one of those I would take, I would cut. One pepper in tenths. When he, he had gotten some from a, uh, a friend of his across the street. Uh, and I cut one in tenths and I put it in like literally a big pot of sauce. Almost had to throw the sauce away. From a tenth of a ghost, of a ghost pepper. Yeah, my buddy grows them and then dehydrates them and grinds them and sends out so you can use it as a little bit of a, a seasoning. Oh, see, that, that would probably be good. That and when he, be good. when he does it, he like super wraps it multiple times in saran wrap when he ships it because he doesn't want it to break in shipping. Uh, with the postal service and have people get contaminated it's with like, how hot like the ghost pepper, ghost pepper and scorpion peppers are. Yeah, I mean, it's The poor it's sniffing dogs at the post office are going to go crazy. Yeah, yeah part, every now and again, I think they're going to rip it open assuming it's drugs that yeah. somebody's using it to try and throw I mean, the dogs off. I mean, it kind of is. I mean, it's, not, it's more of a poison than drug. That stuff, that stuff will put you down, man. Yeah. Last thing about the places in Vegas, what was that other place? I want to... Something like bizarre meats. Bizarre you meats. Ever been there? And, yeah, in the SLS, phenomenal. I mean, it it's very expensive. It is, well, yeah, it is I mean, a pricey place to go, but the steaks are incredible. But their charcuterie is out of this world. I do enjoy a good charcuterie. And they also do something. They do a no uh, idea what it is. cotton candy foie gras. It's a, a, a the different meats, the soprasades and things like that. But some of them are ones made from a pig that exclusively ate acorns for its whole life. Uh, wow. It's really some uh, some top notch stuff. Some a lot of crazy imported. Where do they get these pigs from? Uh, you know, uh, Newark. <laughs> I'm not shocked. <laughs> Catch them. Yeah, but you know when you, you know? go to like an Italian family's house for like for like a dinner, and they have like the big tray with like mozzarella, oh, provolone. The that's yeah. that's low grade charcuterie. Yeah. Okay. This one they serve it on probably on like a cutting board. You yeah. know, very Instagram. It's a, like a slate, a yeah. slate piece. They also do uh, cotton candy foie gras. So it's a little stick with a chunk of foie gras on it with a thing of cotton candy wrapped around it. And you want to talk about pretentious and delicious? It's right there. <laughs> pretentious like and just, delicious? Because the, the uh, uh, foie gras a little bit goes a long way. has that like peanut, peanut buttery type of essence to it with the cotton Never candy. It, so, yeah. It's Well, sometimes you'll go and they, people put way too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, a little bit goes a very long way. I am generally not a foie gras person. I don't. I'm not out endorsing the it's foie gras. They, it's, it's duck liver, but they really yeah. like force feed the ducks to get the massive. Oh, so it's like, horrible. Oh, it's horrible. I mean, it is like, <laughs> I mean, it make, it makes veal look humane, but yeah, humanely delicious. come and co- oh, contact completely. us. Yeah. yeah, all those yeah. cigar-smoking PETA members, <laughs> right. you know? Yeah. 
that, that big vegan cigar group uh, on, never on Facebook. I mean, oh. I mean, oh, that guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, so you know Frank. Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, Greg, we're getting towards the last third now. What are you thinking of, of the Moistra? I like it a lot. Uh, very smooth. Here, no, right? it's, yeah. I'm thinking because I've just been all the information I'm trying to uh, Like a sponge. Go. Yeah, that's it. Uh, very rich, chocolatey, spicy. I'm now getting more of the strength, of course, at the end. This is medium to full, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I, it, I can, like, can, you, can you give us a score? You want a score? Yeah. Oh. So we, we do a scoring. I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty intense I. with my scoring. I.e., like a bar stool. Not like we're not copying, but, but like we give very specific, you know. Like <laughs> Lawyer a, said you're not copying. Yeah. <laughs> so we're copying. <laughs> um, it's an homage of sorts. <laughs> yeah, it's a homage. <laughs> I would go on nine. Solid nine. Yeah. Very good. The construction on this was great. The burn was great. I think the ash fell halfway through and then stuck through. I'm uh, giving this a 9.15. Not just to not, not do, do it, just to beat you out. No, you I'm are. doing 9.15 because so far in the past few episodes, this is the one that has impressed me most. I've tried, like we did a new size of the uh, the, the Oliva V Lancera, which I never had before. And I was like, it's very good, mm-hmm. but I didn't, you know, I wasn't super crazy about it. Uh, we had, then we had the Leaf by Esteban one week. Also very good, but again, I gave it like an 8.8. This, this really, and I haven't had Moisture um, in, in a couple months, so 9.15. Oh, thank you very much. No. It, is out of, it is out of 10, correct? It's not out of 100? Yes. No, out of 10. Excellent. Thank you very much. I wanted to... No, because this, uh, you gave me a Sober Mesa, which, um, what was that, like two, three weeks ago? Yeah. That was like a 9.2. It's I a, love that cigar. Thank you. I mean, it's a nice. It's, it's a really great medium-bodied cigar. Yeah. And it's really rich. Got a lot, a lot going on with it. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider that cigar sexy. Uh, I think it's. Um, and again, it was Steve's. It was Steve's first project that that he wound up putting right. out. And I, I tell people the shops that the shops that do well with it do very well with it. Right. The people that are on it that enjoy it really enjoy it. Uh, but it becomes that medium body cigar that a lot of times just gets overlooked until people go back to it again. They're like, man, I forgot how much I liked this the last time through. Exactly. Would he ever consider doing, and this is what I, I request, or I'm going to start requesting of all people who are good with broadleaf, a, like, mellow to medium broadleaf? Would he ever consider doing something like that? That would be a wonderful question for Steve oh, Saka man. himself. Chris, you're... No, <laughs> <laughs> Secret Chris, he's the best. Um, so, really, going back to your, because you, we said there's such a long history you have, Dave, and that's why you're a seasoned, like, you, you have wisdom, I see it in your eyes. Might also be a touch of sadness, I don't know. Could be, a little bit of heartbreak, but yeah. I, 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 I traded my soul for a good sense of direction, so that might be what you're, you're seeing that's what missing you, in there. You got here on time right. today. So. Right, right, exactly. It's a little less of a twinkle in there. <laughs> More of, okay, let's go, let's do the thing. The candle's going out. <laughs> Uh, so you were with Drew, and then you went to... So I was with Drew for 11 yeah. years, uh, and then I wound up going over to Nat Sherman as the executive director for nine months. Uh, they, funny story, they, they, they recruited me. They reached out to me, and I've known Mike Harkloss for years. Uh, Michael went to school in Boston, went to college in Boston, Berkeley School of Music, a uh, drummer, but was also worked, at, worked in cigars in Boston, and being someone in the New England cigar community, knew Mike in passing from things and then when he was over at Davidoff working uh, working there I was regional manager with Drew so my local rep we'd call in the stores and I'd be there and I'd see them and coming through as a, as a manager so knew, Mike, knew Michael there uh, 
one of the guys, <clears throat> Michael had referred over someone to me before who used to work with him at Davidoff back in the, the Drew days, who uh, uh, Jimmy Schaefer, great dude, uh, worked for me for a couple of years over at Drew. So I got a, contacted on, on LinkedIn from a message. There was a guy, Al, who says, uh, Dave, Michael speaks highly of you. Can we talk when you get a minute? And I'm like, man, I'm not looking to hire. Michael pointed this guy in my direction. I'm not looking to add headcount. Right. Sure, Al, let me in the car in a little bit, got like a three-hour ride ahead of me. Give me a call. So he calls me, and I, I think it's a guy looking for a job, right. and uh, we're talking a little bit. And he said, we get this executive director position, so I think he's asking me to re- recommend someone. And he's like, I think it'll be you know, perfect and blah, blah, blah. And I'm trying to figure out what the hell well, he's Nick talking Lebretti's about. Nick Labretti's great. So right, right, right. And I'm like, I'm sorry, Al. What is this conversation a reference to? He's like, well, we think it'd be great for the executive director position. We want to talk to you about it. I said, Al, can you start over again? I'm sorry. I thought you were looking for a job from me. Let's start over again. And um, they you know, reached on out. We had, we had conversations. I live in New York, just outside the city. Their office is in New Jersey. It's 30 minutes from my house. Uh, it was a, I've known Mike, like I said, no Michael forever. One of the guys, Jimmy, who was sort of a regional manager, worked for me. So while it was new, it still felt really familiar. I've known, right. I've known the Nat Sherman brand forever. My brother and I, we'd go into the city, we'd hop a train, we'd get out at Grand Central, and the old, um, the, the old store was on 42nd and 5th. We'd go smoke a cigar and then go out for the day to do what we wanted to do in the city. Uh, and uh, it was really about, about quality of life and being on the road a lot less, spending time with my family, and I said, you know what, I, I owe it to my family. I've been divorced once before, right. <laughs> got remarried three years ago. Different woman, not remarried the same woman. Right. Let's clear that one up. And uh, I said, I kind of, I owe it to my family. I said, it's a great opportunity with a really good company that I've, I've known. I know the name, being in this Northeast corridor, it's very strong through right. there. Uh, and came on board with them. Uh, was, there for, was there for nine months. Uh, and they, they're still, they're great. I got nothing right. bad to say whatsoever. Right. They're really great. Uh, but I, I loved working with Steve back in the, back in the Drew days. Yeah. Um, and my wife, uh, my wife's in Parks and Recreation, and she had an the old... show? No, not so much. You know, she, sometimes it feels that way. Uh, <laughs> and she has an old mentor that she used to, she used to work with. It was sort of her first, her first foray into Parks and Rec. And she said, you know, she didn't realize how good it was to work for Neil. She kind of assumed that every boss would be like that. Right. And she looks back and says, I you know, wish I had a, a kind of appreciated it more. We still keep in touch with him. When he comes to town, we get together. And she said, Steve is sort of your Neil. And Steve had reached out to me of, you know, where are you at? What's going on with you? And it was just a really great opportunity to, to come over. And my, my older granddaughter is seven. When she was born, when she came home from the hospital, Steve, two granddaughters. So when she came wow. home from the hospital, Steve and his wife, Cindy, bought the outfit that she came home in. When I got remarried three years ago, smaller wedding, didn't have a lot of people on my side. Steve and Cindy were at my wedding. Yeah, mine so, got lost in the mail. Man. Right, exactly. It was a. We talked. We talked. I, I, wondered, told I wondered how come you didn't respond to that. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I, mean, I was busy that weekend anyway. Right, right, right. You, you were up. Right, at, Greg. Right. You, I, I, I shot the wedding. So, right. <laughs> <laughs> you were at some goth festival or something, Nick. I understand, or cheesesteaks or something. Me and Sam were mm-hmm. hitting the cheese up in Wisconsin. So one of the attractive things about. Being, being over in Nash Sherman was uh, you know, running all the different, the sales, the sales as it was, and then having the reps that reported to me. So being able to get back on the road, being able to go out and, and do events and, and do the things that I really enjoyed earlier on in my tenure. It's things that I, I think I do fairly well. I enjoy being oh, with yeah. people and bonding and talking a little bit of the gift of gab to be out there and do that. And you know, if you can have a job that really uh, 
your strengths work well and play well, you're, you're really incredibly lucky to be able to do it. Is it a lot less pressure now doing these kind of events than it was with Drew? Like, is there, like how's your schedule? Do you get to go home more? Than- um, well, right now, I just – generally, yes, with a but. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm home a bit more, uh, work from home doing things, but I just got back from a 10-day 10 10 day road trip right. that wasn't supposed to be 10 days. It was supposed to be, I went out to Texas uh, for Cigars for Warriors, do their, their mm. large annual charity event called the Cats Festival. So I went out for a few days to do that. And then I was originally flying back home, uh, but I had to get out to Arizona to travel with my, my rep who I'd never met before. So yeah, I would rather meet people. So at the trade show, it's really for the cigar industry, the IPCPR trade show is like our Super Bowl. Oh, and God, yeah. you really have to make sure you've got everything buttoned down and getting it done. It's, uh, it's uh, a lot. It's, it, it's, yeah. it's a lot. And I hate to say it's so busy because it comes across a real humble brag because some people like they get tumbleweeds that blow through their booth but yeah. i mean if you if you're working and you're setting your appointments and doing things you can you can be very busy they just even though it's it's very long there still aren't enough hours in the day to get things accomplished exactly. so i can be a bit more intense during that period of time so i really would like to meet all my reps to have the experience of what it's like to be with me versus being at the trade show and i bite them right. so uh <laughs> try to get on the road and then when i got done with that i had to fly into buffalo and about an hour and a half south of Buffalo, hour and a half east of Erie, uh, there's a account of ours it's on uh, tribal land, and it was their fourth anniversary, so I went out to support them because they support yeah. us. So what was originally supposed to be a trip home for a few days, a trip, and then back home turned into a 10-day road trip, which my wife said, 10 days is kind of long. I said, not only is it kind of long, i got to go upstairs and count how many pairs of underwear I have. Because it's uh, if it's a 10-day road trip, you need at least 20 Two. Yeah, you got, I mean, you got a double. Yeah, you, you got to, you know, again, we eat pretty rich food on the road. So, um, yeah, well, especially like when I would go to Nicaragua and you used to do the oh safari, yeah. I would literally, maybe I'll go for four days, I would bring like 20 pairs of underwear because, you know, wake up in the morning, shower, new set, go back. Sweating all day while we have a dinner at night. Gotta go back. New set. Like you, you, you were constantly showering there. Everybody can get uh, Nick Labretti's guide to how many pairs of underwear at jrcigars.com. We should, we should sell signed boxers, <laughs> not used. I see. Keep those for myself. No, there's, 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 there's certain places you could sell that. You probably make more money on used. You know, you have to sell less, but you, it's a better return. Oh yeah, but you know, if you see the size, it's like a six by sixty. My underwear. Like it's, <laughs> you get more bang for your buck. Right. Um. <laughs> So yeah, the, the trade show, this is going to be Greg's uh, first one. I'm really happy. This is the first time I'm going with an actual, like, videographer with me. You, like, the first year I ever went, I had a GoPro, and that was a nightmare. And I had, like, an iPad. And the next year, the next two years, just somebody, like, from who happened to also be going was also videoing, but they didn't really know how to work the camera. It was, like, a whole thing. This year I have a professional videographer with me. And and Greg. And Greg, yeah. Yeah, who? Chris. Oh. <laughs> but it's a secret. <laughs> but uh, I'm really excited. But we're doing it, as I've told you, mm-hmm. super legit, like professional this year. We're scheduling all our appointments ahead of time. We have all our times and everything. Like a real professional grown up, Nick. Look yeah. at you. Well, because usually I would go and, like, oh, yeah, we'll get some booth I, I shots and then we'll talk to the guy. <laughs> What'd you say? I wouldn't. I, well, you can't take all the credit. I mean, you reached out to everybody, but we had to have a strict. No, 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 no. Because we, had, this, we, had, we had to have credit. this whole presentation. We put a put a PowerPoint together why we yeah. should go and everything else. Yeah, well, because so as you know, it's... We talked you know, to higher-ups and everything. We get it. Sold, and so. if I, I understand that. If I didn't wear a suit jacket to this meeting, they wouldn't have taken us seriously. I really thought you were actually, like, really pissing me for a minute. I'm like, oh, no, he's thrown in the suit jacket, which maybe contributed 10%, the suit jacket. 
10% to the overall project. Do you think more than this podcast? 10%? 15%? What do you mean? Being involved in the conversation. No, you, no. you, the, the jacket did more for that than you have in this podcast. Okay, good. <laughs> No. It's a nice, in your defense, it's a nice jacket. Well, no, you. but like, Greg, usually, you know, the things that I would have to worry about for a, a trade show, I don't because Greg's a professional. I don't have to ask. What we, like, he's just like, dude, I know how to do this. Like, this. Not only is he a professional videographer, when he does his weddings and everything, he does event coverage. Oh, I do. I do I've done stuff with Make-A-Wish. Um, I've done, you know, MLB parties where uh, I think it was the first Spanish, like, vendor uh, for batting gloves and things like that, so I interviewed uh, interviewed interviewed uh, Carlos Beltran. And I, I snubbed him because I'm a Mets fan, and he <laughs> missed that curveball against. I heckled Roger Clemens one time. He was a guest of the State of the Union address in D.C. Oh God! And he was walking by with the member. I said, "Roger," and he got taunted as a diehard Sox fan. Uh, <laughs> and, and as a kid growing up in Rhode Island, the, the Red Sox AAA affiliate is in uh, Pawtucket. And so I saw him. You get to see all the stars coming up yeah, when they were awesome. younger. It was during my Little League little league days when you'd go and do these things. So I get to see Roger throwing, uh, throwing Pawtucket back at AAA. During the late 2000s, who was the Mets shortstop? Um, Ray Ardonius? No, another one. Uh, maybe shortstop, maybe your second base. Really famous guy. Um, Young guy, quick. Uh, Eduardo uh, Alfonso? No, no. Uh, I want to say Reyes. Alomar. Oh, Reyes, yeah. Yeah. What was his first name? That was Jose. Jose, Jose Reyes. Uh-huh. And he got injured or something, and then he was coming up through the minors, and I went to school in Binghamton, and the Binghamton Mets were there. Uh-huh. So we got to see him play. He was on our team, so we didn't heckle him. We, we would heckle the pitcher for the other team because he was, like, 33 years old. And we're like, what are you doing here, man? <laughs> like, You're horrible that guy. stuff. You're that guy. But then the one average bar that's in Binghamton, the entire back half was closed, and it was just like – Reyes with like just four women. I don't know where he found them. Just like four women and just like in a VIP area that they made in the back of like Murphy's Pub. <laughs> like nice. it was not a, a nice bar. Nice. But no, so it, it's going to be good. We're going to be getting a lot of content. I hope everyone's ready to watch. Uh, he's he's the best, and I'm really excited for him to be. So we're thrilled. Go. We're thrilled that you're coming out. That you're able to do oh, it. Yeah. Yeah, it uh, raising the bar. Oh yeah. Oh, this is this year is going to be scary good stuff. Yeah. It's it's a lot of it's a lot of fun seeing oh, yeah. how much you know you're enjoying it and what you put into it and what you bring to the table that uh, you're not you're not jaded yet, oh, no. which is which yeah. is unusual in the cigar industry, which has a big passive aggressive streak in me is what I really love to see is when people come in and they're like I love cigars, yeah, and uh, like the moment when they're be on the other side of the table and they they realize that a lot of the things that they uh, they thought were true were complete lies. Oh, and, like yeah. the lip quivers a little bit, and the eyes tear up, and you're like, gotcha, because <laughs> a little you're piece of your soul. <laughs> <laughs> It's gonna be it's gonna be a good time. You sh- you should be very excited. For I it. am excited. Uh, I'm not excited to fly with you, but I'm excited. Oh, I'm a terrible flyer. I can't like. I, I just got my Xanax is, now for this. this, for this I just got my Xanax for smoking the Carolina, so we'll be good. My Xanax. And stay good. hydrated. Yeah, I just uh, especially going to North Carolina because you're on that like like Buddy Holly plane. There's only like two yeah. seats, so it, like the little you know somebody burps and the whole plane turns like it's just uh, oh, I, okay. Then we should have a big problem if you're on that plane. Oh yeah, especially it. yeah if I have. If I have that garlic strip chicken again, that. I'm not going to eat that ever, eat ever that, again. Please. But, no, it's going to be an awesome time. Uh, we're excited to see you guys there. We're going to get plenty of, uh, plenty of Dunbarton footage. Quickly, before we you know, call it a day here, we talked a little bit about the new Mikorita. Anything else for IBCPR that you can kind of tell us? If not, you know, wink twice. Well, uh, again, Steve can uh, uh, 
articulate it a lot better yeah. than I can, but also when it comes to the Sober Mesa, we discussed a little bit earlier, there's going to be a Sober Mesa brulee release of the show. Ooh. It's a Connecticut Shade, <clears throat> pardon me, Connecticut Shade uh, uh, Sober Mesa. Oh. And as Steve said, uh, so many people have made the, this is not your grandfather's Connecticut. Well, this is going to be your grandfather's Connecticut. I this is a mild Connecticut. That. That's uh, great. Robusto like. Toro, 6x60. Uh, we have a lot of shops that say, you know, we, we, we want to support you. We love the stuff that you're making. But the stuff that you make is too strong for my customers. Right. Like, the, the, like the, the mildest thing that you make is Sober Mesa, which is a true medium. Right. Like we, we would like to be able to recommend your, your things to, to other people. So the uh, uh, Sober Mesa Brulee will be released. And we're also taking another uh, round of orders through the show for the uh, uh, de Saka Lancero, the hashtag Lancero. So uh, there was extra tobacco. So, so Steve, mm. we, we do things a little differently than a lot of people who do contract manufacturing, mm. uh, where a lot of times people go to a factory and say, I want you to make this, and you sort of pick from what they have. Steve actually goes out and procures the tobacco and goes out and buying, so it's our tobacco that's there, so it's our, our things that, right. are, that are being used and not just, hey, they're going to change the blend. Like, you're not changing the blend because we're actually buying the tobacco that we're going to use. Right. Uh, so there was still tobacco that was left over for the Lanceros. Didn't want to do a huge run on them because, again, Steve was like, it's not going to sell, it's not going to sell. It's and old. then it was, you know, it's old. It, it's old. Uh, <laughs> And there was still tobacco that was there, so there's some that are being being rolled again now. I don't know how. Uh, it's not going to be a significant production run, but there'll be there'll be some that are that are made. So we're going to pre-order it through the through the show. And you have some of those boxes earmarked for like you know famous press people, uh, cigar experts, uh, famous YouTube and podcast. Pod- yeah, I mean, sure. seems sure. that seems to make sense. Yeah, yeah sure. sure it's a great Steve question. Which I, 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 six six episodes in, we're like, uh, yeah, we're famous. Yeah, or I, mean, I, I am. I am. You, you're you're famous because you're like a dad, so like you're like a hero to your kids. I get all the YouTube comments about like because even just smoking a cigar with kids is impossible to do. Yeah. And uh, I had a YouTube comment saying, "I totally understand." I was like, "Power to the dads." That's your. That's your. Now you can say hello, my friends, because you found your first online. Friend. I did. See, you got him. There you go. Hello, my friend. Well, you got to find his name. Hello, Frank. It, you know who it is? <laughs> it's not Craig Richards. Yes, it is. It's Craig Richards. <laughs> it's Craig. He's Richard. like our number one. He comments in all our stuff. We actually, we actually made, made a yeah sampler. We made a top five sampler. Just I'm like, we're like, Craig, you're uh, you comment on everything. You always watch. Like, give us. Seven cigars, and we're going to put five of them in a sampler called Craig Richard Sampler. Oh, Craig. And it's sold out. Craig, sold I out. thank you and my children thank you. Outstanding. <laughs> All right. I think this has been this, a riveting discussion. We laughed. We cried a little bit. That might have been me. I had a little. Just on the inside. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dave, thank you so, so much for doing this with oh, us. Oh, really thank you guys. I, I, I appreciate it. Love to have you back on. Anytime you're in town, man, you stop by. We'll throw an episode together for Definitely. you. Definitely. Excited to see you at IPCPR. Greg, anything you want to? No. Thank you. Know? you. That's, well, thank you. Greg, thank you for thank your you. Uh, entire contribution yeah. to, uh, to all of this, uh, the, the podcast, uh, and your yeah. dedication and your and your hard work. Uh, I know the uh, the the title of uh, you know, the, the greatest living American gets thrown around pretty often, but I think your name could be moved into the mix. You know, not all superheroes wear capes. That's right. Know? Some That's of right. them wearing nice Walmart button downs. Ben, he's a twelve dollars. <laughs> Guys, thank you very much for listening. Uh, don't forget, use code coupon code LONGASH on our website for 20% off this weekend. Some exclusions may apply, but coupon code LONGASH, all one word. Check out our social media. We're going to have a lot of stuff from Smoking in the Carolinas coming up and a lot of stuff for IPCPR at the end of uh, end of June. And, uh, again, if you're going to buy Dunbarton Tobacco and Co. or Tobacco and Trust. Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust, sir. And Co. You're no the Co. co. Uh, there's no, no Co. There's no Co. <laughs> there's no Co. Snow cones. No snow, snow cone. cone. <laughs> oh, man. A nice blueberry, like a blue raspberry snow cone. Sure. Yes. It's hot up here. I guess. 
Uh, you can buy the entire range of Dunbarton Tobacco and Trust right now at jrcigars.com. Thank you very much, and have a good weekend.